This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Reporting from the maker at Omaha, it's time for the Weekly Nerd News Recap with your two-headed reporter, Joel Dad. Welcome to your THN Nerd News Recap for the week of 417 through 430. I am your head number one. My name is Matt Baum, Joe Patrick. We missed our annual 420 show. Are we even buddy? I'm (laughs) Speak for yourself, buddy. I'm still recovering. (laughs) I'm your head number two. The internet's Joe Patrick. And you may want to ask the children to leave the room because we begin this week with R-rated superhero movie news. At CinemaCon this week, fans and press got their first look at Sony's Craven the Hunter movie starring Aaron Taylor Johnson, who introduced the teaser trailer by confirming the rumors, saying, Will it be rated R? Yeah, it'll be rated R. Whoa, bro! (laughs) Shut up, Aaron. Shut up, Aaron. (laughs) The Hollywood Reporter described the footage of Craven murdering a caravan of poachers as particularly gory, he bites, uh, like he bites, he, he bites a dude's throat out yeah. is what uh, I read. We have confirmation, uh, that Craven's big bad will be none other than the rhino played by Alessandro Nivola. Matt, you're a violence and gore loving deviant. Is this the Craven project you demanded? And are you sad? We're not going to see a return to the, uh, rhinoceros robot suit. No, <laughs> like I'm fine with a new rhino, <laughs> you know, like, like he's going to be the rhino. Yeah. They, show, they talked about it. Like his arm gets big and gray. Like they, he's going to yeah. be the rhino. I think if there's anything that is exciting here, it's that, yeah, we get to see the rhino as the rhino guy in a big, you know, suit and he's all bulky and he's going to fight Craven. Fine. You know, like that sounds cool enough. I would rather this is all happening in a Spider-Man film, to be perfectly honest. But okay, I have a thought about that. I have like, a, I, I, I have a thought about that. Hit me. I agree that like when we're, when we're talking about things like spider woman and Madam web and, and whatever, I'm like, okay, whatever, especially, you know, black cat, you know, these things that I've kind of come around to the idea that the spider man library of characters that Sony would have access to is diverse enough that you can tell stories about, some of these characters without them being tied to Spider-Man. I don't disagree. Uh, yes, uh, yes, I agree that like Craven prim- uh, is definitely known as a Spider-Man villain, but I think that you can tell a story about a guy uh, like a superpowered or or whatever, a crazy TV hunter guy that decides to hunt the most dangerous no, game. I don't disagree at all. And I think in the case of Craven, that's especially true. And one of the things that like look at Craven in the comics. Craven was just you know, messing with X-Force right before Judgment Day. So, like, right. you can take Craven out of Spider-Man and do stuff with Craven. Craven is a badass. I love Craven. The thing that, I guess, not so much worries me, but the thing that I have to question is, okay, Sony wants these to be Spider-Man adjacent. So, like, Morbius. I wish they'd stop saying that. I stop know. saying that. Morbius, I, as bad as it was, still felt thematically like a superhero film that could fit next to spider-man i guess craven if it's gonna be rated r and it's gonna be straight up gory and super hardcore i don't know if that thematically fits at all this is just like a complete departure at that point right right and and, you know i don't really care about a craven the hunter movie being rated r 
There's nothing like, yeah, he's a hunter. I mean, but like Craven is a super violent dude. Look at Craven's last hunt and like comics like that. They were gnarly. But, but those books were also approved by the comics code. Man. I agree. They weren't, I agree. they weren't rated R. No, I, and like, I totally agree. And there's stuff in them that happened. Marvel's always really good at threatening that needle. We just talked about it in Wolverine 100. That was also approved by the comics code. And in that Wolverine oh, man. hung a guy by yeah. his spine, you know, in like, okay, I have been, I have been thinking about that guy getting all the adamantium daggers in the back for a week. Super violent. And Craven's last hunt also super violent, just implied, yeah. you know? So a lot of it is implied. It makes yeah. sense. I guess that if you were going to do a rated R super, well, let's call it a super villain movie, please. If you're going to do not even, we don't even know that he has superpowers. Let, I mean, well, if he's fighting the rhino, not, he better. I mean, yeah, What's he gonna I don't do? know. Dude. Shoot him. <laughs> Come on. I, yeah, I get it. I, I know what you're saying, but. That's like, another personally, thing. That's another I thing don't, we got to think about. If he is going to fight the rhino, I'm saying they are definitely beefing up this craven somehow. There's going to be something. I don't know if it's a heart-shaped herb. Well, you know, or a super right, serum, or a super soldier kind of situation. Or like, Morbius bites him or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I like I I, I take I need to take a refresher course on my uh craven history, but I don't believe that he's got he typically got any Enhancements. I think he's just super good at his job. Joe, are you forgetting X Raven? Who? X Raven. When Mr. Sinister sent Craven to steal some mutant DNA, and Craven said, You got to give me some of that. And Mr. Sinister turned him into X Raven. <laughs> when the hell did that happen? That when was, was that? Christos Gage, Spider Man, and X Men back in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't read that book. It was uh, bad. He turned white and he had like spines and stuff. Yuck. Oh, no. No, no. Yeah. Yes, Matt. So, I did forget that. It was so bad. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, like, I, I guess it, personally, I don't really care if a Craven movie is rated R or not. I also like if it's rated R fine. It, will it fit thematically in a world with Morbius and Black Cat and Silver Sable? I don't know. I know. It, no, okay, I will say this for Craven. They have always sort of hinted that like sort of like the Black Panther, he's always got some herb or some, you know, like bone powder or like he's always taking stuff to make him a little stronger well, yeah. and beefier. So he, I mean, he's very, you, you know, conscientious that, about uh, keeping up on his vitamins, <laughs> but <laughs> well, but he's got like super I, vitamins. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, he's probably, snor- he's probably, sn- you know, s- snorting ground up, you know, or not rhino horns or yeah. whatever. Or, or like, rhino yeah, penis it, is very popular too. Rhino. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, injecting, injecting gorilla testosterone into his, into his blood. Okay. But, here's the yeah, big I don't know. I, 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 big question. I will say this. Everything, Everything, uh, every time I see that Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to play this like super beefy manly kind of dude, I'm like, no, I I just can't. I have a hard time picturing it because he will always be that nerdy little shit. People said that about Robert Pattinson too. And look what I understand. I understand. It's just, it's hard for me to disconnect. I get it. And also like Quicksilver, his Quicksilver is not a super beefy dude. And he's this like Euro trash weirdo. He was pretty. And so I I think about, I think about Craven and I'm like, that's just such a bad fit. But I saw some set photos. He's just yesterday. And he looks great. He looks awesome. He looks great. (laughs) He's got kind of like shoulder length, uh, you know, neck length, long hair. He's wearing the. A necklace with the f- single fang yeah. and he's running around the streets barefoot. 
they're, they're set photos, so he's got those weird little like booties with the with the toes. Oh, toe uh, fingers? Gross. Gross. Toe, toe fingers. <laughs> but I mean, you know that in the movie he'll toe be barefoot. Shoes. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, what a but prison it, for wearing those. Like those he, are disgusting. And they are. But he looks great. He looks great as Craven. Are you any more excited for the movie now that they've announced it's rated R and it's gonna be gory? Does that make you any more excited? No, but I, the rating, no, but the rhino stuff, I love the rhino so much. I'm sad that he isn't a dude in a, in a suit, but I get it. Well, he looks great as Craven. We don't know. He might be bonded to a suit. I mean, we'll see. Well, they, they described that his arm transforms from human to big and gray. So I don't, we don't know. You're right though. We don't really know. Yeah. We'll see. And all reports say that the footage was pretty cool. So, I mean, yeah. I am kind of excited might be the wrong word. Cautiously optimistic and curious. I'll say this for Sony. I'm not dreading it. The bar is set extremely low. So all they got to do is literally get over Venom 1, which I would argue the best thing they've put out. And I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, And, you know, I was dreading Morbius and I'm not dreading Craven. Fair enough. Fair enough. In other stepchild studio news, Amazon confirmed ordering two seasons of Batman Cape Crusader, the animated show, and two Damian Wayne projects. Up your butt, Tim. I don't forget that guy, I guess. Yeah, eat shit, Tim Drake. <laughs> Cape Crusader is described as a spiritual successor to Batman, the animated series. We've talked about it a lot here. WB shelved that earlier. Amazon saved it. This is bring, being brought to you by director Matt Reeves, J.J. Abrams, Batman, the animated series creator and animator Bruce Tim and Ed Brubaker is writing it. We've been super excited for this one for a while. I think the news here is that they're kind of all in on Damien, though. We're getting one kid's movie that spins into a series, The Bat Family. Well, but I mean, they're all, but they're kid, they're kid style. They are like definitely, they're yeah, there's going to be, a, they're, like, they're all ages style cartoons. It's all ages. This is going to be Merry Little Batman is the all ages movie that takes place on Christmas Eve with Damien defending the house by himself from bad guys. Mike Roth. Kitty Pride style. Yeah. Mike Roth. Kitty Pride versus the demon style. I love it. <laughs> Mike Roth of regular show fame is in charge of this one. He's also going to be doing the Bat Family show that spins out of that, which is Batman, Damien, and Alfred having adventures. I mean, it all sounds very cute to me. And, like, I'm glad they're embracing Damien. Also, we know James Gunn has said the Batman Brave and the Bold film is Batman and is- his son Damien. Right. Are yeah. you bummed that we're just sort of wiping Tim out of continuity at all? <laughs> like he's well, don't I mean, worry about I, him, folks. <laughs> I don't. I don't care what they do in the cartoons. Yeah, like do whatever. Yeah, it's whatever. And I like. I love regular show, and they showed. Uh, they showed some uh, preview art. It's a. And it, looks it, it looks goofy and weird, yeah. and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm into that. So whatever. The cartoons, fine. I'll watch them. They'll be great. Back to the Batman thing, I am thrilled that Amazon has enough faith in it that they're like, yeah, two seasons, let's do it. Yeah, 
cut like what two seasons to start. Come on, WB. What the hell were you guys thinking? I, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, HBO. I don't. I don't get it. There's no point in talking about anything going on with HBO or Max or whatever because it makes no sense. No. Like, we'll never make sense well, of it. People at first were like, "Well, they gutted the animation department." Like, okay, well, here comes a Creature Commandos cartoon that is full on WB and like part of Gods and Monsters and stuff. Like, yeah. So I. I don't know. I don't get it. That's a whole different you know, discussion. It's, again, yeah, we already we already tried to wrap our heads around that shit show. So, but, but jumping straight to Damien, I, I mean, I kind of understand why they're doing it because he is Batman's son. Yada yada yada. Yeah. Are they are they wiping past Robins from continuity? We don't we don't know. We we don't really know. We don't. But I think let me let me pose this. I think it would be smart, probably, to do so in a movie universe. Otherwise, yes, like, no, I, I agree with you. You got to sell some you stuff know, to like people like, well, yeah, this Batman's older. He's in his 40s. He's been around for a while. Like you know? if you. OK, so if you asked, you know, the average muggle on the street is Robin Batman's son. How many people are going to be like, yeah. How many people already think that Bat- that Robin is Batman's son yeah. in the in the world of in the world of non-comics readers, you know, that are just like casual. Like, yeah, Batman. Sure. Well, I mean, look, we did. We did get a Robin in the old school Batman that he adopted. So people are aware, you know, but that was 50 years ago. You know, I'm, <laughs> like, I understand what you're ago. saying. I understand <laughs> it hurts my heart to say, but I understand it. Why Tim Drake may never. Yeah, I get it. Get his time in the spotlight yeah. in, in the movie universe. But it does kind of seem weird to me not to have anything to do with Dick Grayson. Again, we don't know that that's the case. Well, here's the other side of that. I find it very hard to believe that DC is going to resist using Dick Grayson, that Warner Brothers specifically will resist using Dick Grayson because he's such a big part of the comics right now. He's huge. He's, he's massive in the comics. Right. And I think if you're going to have more than one Robin, it can only be two. And it's Dick and then it's Damien. And then Damien, yeah. The thing, the one thing is that, you know, we're kind of, James Gunn's kind of all in on this idea of approaching these characters for the first time earlier in their careers. And so if we're saying that Brave and the Bold is a younger Batman, like, you know, year three, year four, whatever, like around the time of the movie, uh, of the Batman, right? Not that they're the same thing, but similar time frame, right? Right. Where is there room for Dick Grayson in that if Damien is Robin? Where is the room for Dick Grayson's history with Bruce Wayne? Yeah, I think you you would have to do something where like, look, Dick was just older when he started as Robin. He did it for a couple of years, trained under Batman, but also or maybe he did it for five years, you know, trained under Batman, did a bunch of stuff. You go full on. DC new uh, new 52. He was Robin for five years and then. When, sure. And Batman went, you're too good at this, man. You don't need me. Go be nice. Are you, you know, like year five, Batman. That's still a young Batman. That's yeah, still a guy that's still figuring is. things out. I mean, think about it this way. You play high school football for four years and then you graduate to college football. And then from exactly there, right. And so if like, if, if we say, you know, if we follow the comics logic, Dick graduated and went to college. And so he was still Robin, but he wasn't really partnering with Batman because he's at college. Right. And then at a certain point, he's like, you know what? I need to be my own man. And he becomes Nightwing. So if we're saying that, you know, Robin, uh, Dick Grayson became Robin when he was uh, 14. Sure. And he went to school, graduated high school. And it was like, all right, well, thanks for everything. I have to go to college now. Yeah. And like, and I got no problem with Nightwing being 22 
or 20. Well, yeah, he know? would like he should be at, at that at that era. Yeah. So like I think that as far as a Batman family and a Batman legacy in the movies, I think that they can finagle things enough to include Dick Grayson because he's too famous. I think so too. Tim. Tim would be way down the line. Yeah. So sidebar on the on the Tim thing. Earlier this yeah, week. Yeah, I read about this. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to talk about it. Tom yeah. King posted on Twitter that he had a pitch for this. So back in Batman 55, right? KGB shoots Nightwing in the head. And yeah. Dick becomes Rick Grayson for like two years. Can't remember. He loses stuff. his. Yeah, he hasn't. He he loses his memories because right. he's suffered a traumatic head injury. And we hated it. It was stupid. It's, Tom, yeah, it's bad. It's Tom King bad. had a pitch for Tim to replace Dick as Nightwing for a while, while his brother is healing. Like Dick remembers everything. He's just grievously injured, and right. he's like, "I need some. Somebody's got to get out there and do the job." Tim becomes Nightwing for like a year and then Nightwing comes back. That would have been so great. I know. (laughs) So great. We should have realized this at the time, but it's just so easy to pin things on the writers when they're really the only entry entry point you have into the storytelling process. It, it, It felt so random that like that Tom King had Dick get shot in the head. And that that was the only involvement that Dick had in that storyline. Yeah. And it turns out he had a whole idea for something. And, and he had like, this whole ass idea about something really awesome God. to do with, with Nightwing and Tim Drake. I would have loved to have read that. It's so much better than him running around the, like Bane streets as a of cab Gotham driver. as yeah. Rick Grayson, the cab driver. Like, God, that was dumb. God, that was dumb. Ugh. Yeah. I, I, it makes me wonder, like, why? Why would you think that that was better than what this was? Yeah. Uh, than, than this idea. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love what Tom Taylor's doing, and it, it was kind of like a, a nice. Okay, let's be fair. Tom Taylor returned rescued, to prominence. Tom Taylor rescued Nightwing from the. Mess Tom Taylor Nightwing rescued Nightwing, but yeah. Nightwing would not have needed rescue. No, no, you could have flown. That could have flowed perfectly into where we are with Nightwing today. It would oh been right, like Tom Taylor could have been the guy that's like. Thanks, Tom King. And now, I'll and take now it from he's here. healed. Yeah, yeah, and now he's healed. He's back. Dick yeah. Grayson is Nightwing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, what a shame. What a shame. Over in comics news, it seems no company is safe in our current not a recession yet, but let's all pretend it is anyway economy. This week, IDW announced huge layoffs and a new CEO as part of their, quote, cost-saving reset. 39% of the workforce was laid off reportedly during a five-minute Zoom call, (laughs) including the entire sales marketing department, the entertainment division, and a huge chunk of the editorial staff. Joey, when the fifth largest comic publisher takes a hit like this, are the others far behind? Uh, no, because I think IDW is in a, you was a unique bird. And <laughs> I totally agree. I totally it, agree. Because how often have we discussed that IDW has nothing of its own? See, now this they have is nothing just of it. its own. It's first and foremost, I'm not defending, you know, American capitalism and corporate lunacy, you know, like thinking we have to make X amount of money every year, but with that said, I will also say it's very sad when any, when any of these people lose their jobs. It sucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't not, want them to lose their jobs. With all of that said, IDW was not doing a good job. They were 
absolutely unprofitable. They are owned by a larger company, IDT, who specializes yeah. in like online payment gateways and stuff and, and all a manner of financial stuff. So this is a major successful company. They own 53% of IDW. The guy that runs that company, Howard Jonas, who runs IDT, put his kid Davidi Jonas, Nepo baby, in charge of IDW now, right? So they're bringing yeah. things in a little closer. IDW first started trading in 2007 on New York Stock Exchange. This week, after this announcement, they pulled themselves from the stock exchange. Now, it's important to note that does not mean they are closing. They had to do that according to stock exchange rules, because they're restructuring and whatnot, which means they will not be traded publicly right now. Going dark is what they call it, right? Sure. Yeah. And until they get their shit together, they can't be on the, on the stock. They went public in 2009. In January 2017, they were trading at $50 a share. This week, before they went dark, $0.44 cents a share. <laughs> Their entertainment division literally brought in zero dollars in the past two or three years. They, they had Winona Earp on Sci-Fi, which had a cult following. People liked it. There was like five seasons yeah. of it. They had Lock uh, yeah, and Key. I mean, uh, yeah, Winona Earp, certainly not a failure. No, three seasons of Lock and Key on Netflix. But since that's gone, there's literally nothing. They have no IPs. Top Shelf is their biggest intellectual property. You, you just said it. All they do is license stuff, and they just lost Transformers. They just lost G.I. Joe, two of their biggest. Don't get me wrong. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is huge. They got some licensing agreement with Marvel for, like, Star Wars and stuff like that that I don't even understand, but they can't be making a lot of money off of it. It's sad, but they weren't doing a good job. There was so much weirdness. They had three CEOs in the last two and a half years. Yeah, it's bad. That's crazy. Bad. <laughs> that is just nuts. Look, neither one of us are businessmen. You know, there's a lot of this stuff that we only know because we read it and it, and we don't know what's going to happen. Sure. But it certainly doesn't sound good. It's never good when stuff like this happens. No. And uh, the layoffs are a tragedy. We, but we have been talking about this for a long time. You know, we talked about it with Dark Horse, too. When Dark Horse lost the rights to Star Wars. Yeah. They lost the rights to Conan and... And Buffy, and it's and it's you have to ask, like, what are they going to do? How how do you survive when you lose the things that are making you all the money? Right. I'm talking about their own intellectual properties. Right. That's where you right. make your money, licensing that stuff because you control it. They're paying to get all this other stuff and taking a little bit of the profit off the top of it. More. They or less. have a lot. I mean, they do have a lot of creator-owned books, but none of them are. So, what's a creator-owned ID, uh, IDW book other than Lock and Key? That's, that's a huge seller. Yeah. You I know, mean, like, been, uh, that's been optioned to do movies or TV or, or I, cartoons. Like, I can't name any blockbusters. I will say, and it's a good sign, they did not fire Mark Doyle, who was the guy that spearheaded the originals line. So they believe in that. But you have no marketing group. You have no sales group. How are you going to pimp stuff out now? <laughs> you know, like, who's going to do that? The creators? I mean... Think of, okay, think of it this way. Think of the solicits that we make fun of that are so poorly written. Now imagine those are being put on Hollywood desks as pitches and stuff. <laughs> They'd be right. like, what is yeah, this? No, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, like a, it's like whoever, the, the comic editor or the writer writes a solicit and it's just like, 
all of this nonsense right. about convoluted whatever. And then the marketing guy's like, okay, make this make sense to me so that I can pitch it to normals. Right. <laughs> and if you don't have anybody out there pitching your shit to normals, no shit. I, I mean, I guess the benefit of a, the benefit of IDW is that the, their stuff is like, yeah, what we have to pitch is things that people recognize my little pony, star Trek, whatever, sure. but they're not, pitch- and- they're not pitching that stuff. They don't own any rights to that. They're just printing those comics. But they're still marketing them. They still would have they're been comics, them. yes. But yeah. So here's where their money lies, because you can see it in who kept their jobs. Doyle, who we just mentioned, Scott Dunbar, uh, Scott Dunbar, the editor behind uh, the Artist Edition line, which are very cool. People love those. Yes, Star- very uh, famous Wildstorm editor Scott Dunbar, Star Trek editor Heather Antos, Top Shelf editor Leah Walton, and Kristen Simon, and then the Sonic and Godzilla editor. David Marriott. These are the people that have their jobs. These are some of the people. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. surely there are others. These but. are the big names of people that have their jobs because yeah. this is what's making them money right now. They've got to do something. They have to make a change and they have to get some of their own IPs. And the way you survive today, streaming TV shows and movies. That's how you do it. I mean, I hate to say that though. You know, I, I mean, I know truth, that it's true, but when, when you're, uh, but it's, it's like when your highest selling comics are selling 5,000 issues a month, Yes, yeah. you are not right. You're, no, no, you no. have yeah, to I, have I, streaming money. You have to have movie. Money. I agree. I, I understand. Like I understand the reality. It, it, it's just it sucks to say it's like you. But you guys better get something that you can that Hollywood pays attention to right quick. This is how because, you live anymore. This is comics today. I know. I get it. it it's just ugh, yeah. You know? it, the whole thing sucks and it's sad. And I and I don't want to see ID. This is how corporate away. comics survive today. To be true. To be perfectly clear. True. We like get on that grind, Michelle Fifa, you know, or Ed Pisker. Like you guys are killing it, doing your own. Yeah, corporate comics, corporate comics. What a, what a tar pit. And it it's wild because, and I'm not saying like maybe things are maybe there's problems at Image we don't know about, but it seems like Image maintains this very creator owned, creator driven, like will help you with your IP, you know, image owns nothing. Yeah. Yeah, But image owns none of that. That's just it. Like Robert Kirkman can go and take the rights to invincible to Amazon and make money on that. Or, you know, he made a bunch of money on walking dead at AMC. They're, they're like in a they position. don't flash the image comics logo before anything. On right. TV. So yeah. it's hard. It's going to be hard for them to draw people to create these IPs for IDW. So IDW can make money off of them is what I'm saying. When you have options to do it yourself or do it at Skybound, who took the GI Joe and Transformers license away from IDW, by the way, they're uh, in a really uh, tenuous, tough spot. Right. And again, like I don't, I'm not really interested in doing a lot of, Financial speculating because again we don't know what we're, what the hell we're talking about. I do. I'm but, mad trading, bro. I'm, I'm yeah, like right. You're trader. just like uh, you're day, just like bro. that guy. You're just like that mad money guy drinking Jim, my monster, watching <laughs> drinking my monster yeah. trading. You're you're slapping the giant Buying red Ethereum. Button. You, know, you, you should get see it. me roll. <laughs> yeah, but the thing I'm worried about the most is the creators. I've seen a lot of yeah. I've seen a lot of tweets in the in the wake of this where people are saying check your contracts. Yeah. Check definitely. Them. The last thing anybody wants is somebody losing their their baby because oh yeah, look at Oni and Lionforge. Last because summer because IDW is is sinking, you know. Something very similar happened to Oni and Lionforge last summer. They restructured and a bunch of creators got screwed. Straight up screwed. 
Now, so I, I, I hope I, that's I hope not happening the, here. We don't know. We don't really know. It yeah. does sound like they're, the original line is intact. So hopefully those creators are okay. I'm not saying that like someone who loses their job working on, you know, my little pony is any better. That sucks. You're, you're an artist or you're an editor or you're a writer that's working on, that's just doing your job, but man, they're going to have to figure something out or they're going to be in real trouble. And as soon as Marvel decides, Hey, you know what? I think we want that Star Trek license or maybe we should grab that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles license. We got Disney money now, you know? Oh yeah. No, it'll happen. That's it. That boat. Yeah. It'll, ha- it'll, it'll happen. Yeah. 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 It's sad. IDW, the company, whatever, get your corporate shit together or not. I don't care, but I, I do hope that the people involved, the editors, the, you know, the creative people, uh, the comic creators that are watching this go down. like, Take care of yourselves, guys, yeah. you know? Yeah, I do too, because it's not their fault that IDW is trying to play a corporate game. Yep. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Justice League International fans took to the streets in raucous celebration this week when DC announced Fire and Ice are getting their own new Dawn of DC series alongside Power Girl. The two new series will spin out of this May's Power Girl special number one, which itself spins out of the current Action Comics backup stories. True. Matt, how drunk and disorderly did you get after hearing the news this week? I got arrested, to be perfectly honest. Hey, you went out in your Power Girl costume and you... I punched a cop. ...caused a ruckus. I punched a cop, but you know what? She had it coming. All right? I'll say that. Oh, man. So Power Girl is going to be written by Lee Williams. Oh, no. no, I'm not going to make that joke. (laughs) Power Girl is going to be written by Leo Williams with art by Eduardo Pansica. I uh, noticed the boob window is back full on. <laughs> the, the boob window, the boob window has been there this whole time. Even with the new costume with the, the leather jacket, she still had the boob. window. Yeah. She's sporting the Superboy leather jacket with the S on it. She looks good. The story is bringing it's a great costume. Yeah. 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 The story brings Kara Zor-El of earth Two, who now goes by the name page. I don't know why. Further, uh, the- I am behind on action comics, so I also have no idea why. Yeah, it's going to bring her further into the fold of the Superman family with Kal-El's alt-reality cousin being enlisted to take on an ancient Kryptonian threat that arises following the events of DC's upcoming Night Terrors crossover. So, sure, don't know what that means, but like you had alluded to, sounds like something's going to happen in these dreams that actually affect the DCU. <laughs> That's good, if nothing else. I mean, right. Uh, look, I'm fine with Power Girl getting her own book. It's I love Power Girl. I she's love a great it. character. Yeah, yeah. I love, I, I, I love Power Girl as a character. The boob window is dumb. The boob window is dumb. And, there, but, and really, there is no justification for it. Yeah. Uh, other than she wants to be flirty and and, and if she's all that nonsense. It, Jeff, yeah. If she's owning it, and look at Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton owns it. That's part of her deal. I, you know. I get it. I understand. But get female creators on these characters. Great. But all the all the stuff that Jeff Johns or whomever tried to just have Paul Miotti and Gray and Amanda Connor tried to write to justify it's like I have this hole in my shirt because I feel empty inside. I have a hole in That's my heart that can only stupid. be filled. Stop. No, I, I understand what you're trying to do. I get it. Like try, but no, that's dumb. Yeah, that shit's stupid. I would rather. She'd just be like, hey, I got great boobs. I like showing them off. Mine. Deal with it. You right. Know? You know, if you're going to do it, just <laughs> right. just do it. Uh, uh, uh. But yeah, don't try to come up with these weird emotional reasons that because they don't really make sense. Tell me about Fire and Ice, Joe. 
Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville is going to be written by Joanne Starrer with art by Natasha Bustos. The two eponymous heroines find themselves forced to lay low in Superman's hometown after a disastrous incident in Baltimore puts them under intense scrutiny. It is not killing Guy Gardner, by the way. (laughs) That that happened in a different book. Don't worry about it. Well, also, it wasn't, you mean spoilers, it didn't really happen. (laughs) To the point where they're even considering calling Ice's ex-boyfriend Guy Gardner for help. Human Target was out of continuity, so don't even worry about it. Yeah. Uh, Fire and Ice, they're both wearing... uh, Ice has basically never had a costume update. She's just wearing the uh, same halter top over her blue, you know, like yeah, spandex yep. or whatever. Um, fire is they fire is actually wearing what she wore back in her justice league days, which oh, is kind okay. of like a bustier thing with a jacket over it. Um, it's more clothes. <laughs> Good for yeah, her. Like later on in the, in the, in the nineties, they were like, Oh yeah. When she's not all flamed up, she's wearing like some sort of swimsuit looking thing, but no, she looks like she did in the eighties. Both of these books hit the stands uh, September 5th. DC hasn't said if they're going to be ongoing or limited, but I'm saying I'm calling my shot. When you have a book titled Fire and Ice, colon, Welcome to Smallville, that's a miniseries. It sure seems like it. And DC lately has been doing this whole everything is a miniseries until we say it's not. I know, which (laughs) is weird. Well, now I think there's I think there's some logic there and it's kind of fun because it gives fans the idea like you did it. Good job. You showed us you like this. You saved your comic, you know, and they go, yay. Now it's all by issue seven, you know, as yeah, opposed to they already number. announced. They've already announced that they're giving Green Arrow a second arc. Right. So, yeah, based on sale, it's, I don't you know, think it's a bad marketing sales. thing. I think they're going to have a little trouble selling fire and ice to people that aren't our age, maybe. And like, look, Joanne Starter is coming up. She had an Ahoy book called The Gimmick. That love it sold really well. We both liked it, but she's very new, so they're not relying on like star power in the creative team. They're relying on fire and ice to sell this one. We'll see. Look, I have to, as a comic book fan in long standing, I have to believe that there is a place for characters that don't have TV shows that don't have big creators oh, sure. names on the but we can make a fire and ice mini series that's not by you know Tom King it, it, that's what i was just going to say lately that place at dc has been either tom black king label. or yeah. black label right so yeah i like i have to believe that there's room in the world for a book about a le- like get a blue devil you know or something a detective chimp you know more importantly and, female superheroines that aren't wonder woman Exactly. Exactly. And so does it have huge stars on the bo- in the in the book or creating the book? No. Doesn't matter. I'm excited for it. I love J- Justice League International. I'm going to read both of these books. I haven't historically been the biggest Leah Williams fan, but I have been enjoying uh what she's doing on Action Comics. And so I legit love Power Girl. I don't feel like I have high hopes nice. for yeah, cuz I didn't read that stuff. It it just I missed it. Power Girl, I legit love. And there's no reason a character like her couldn't be as popular as Supergirl, as Wonder Woman. And, like, unfortunately, I think it's very easy. If you're saying, who are the most popular superheroines in DC? Okay, Wonder Woman, Supergirl, Batgirl, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) You know, like, what, Starfire next? I don't, you know, like, they need to do a better job inflating their female heroines and this this is a good way to do it i hope i mean you can kind of say the same thing about marvel though you know black widow storm 
Yeah. But, no, I'm not saying uh, Marvel's doing a better job either. I think DC. Uh, but I do agree. Like Marvel needs to have, or DC has to, needs to have more headlining. Yeah. Female characters that aren't Wonder Woman or Wonder Woman adjacent. I, I'm, I agree with you 100. percent Before we close out the news, let's do some quick takes on some smaller stories. It's time for ludicrous speed news. Ludicrous speed, go! This week, Paramount announced its first animated Transformers movie with a voice cast that includes Lawrence Fishburne, Scarlett Johansson, John Hamm, Chris Hemsworth, Keegan-Michael Key, and Brian Tyree Henry. Joe, did you notice they repeatedly called this the first animated Transformers movie? Um, I, I noticed that that's how people they read it. They said it over and over again, that's how anybody though. reported it. Yeah, it's true. It is obviously not the first Transformers movie uh, cartoon, but it is the uh, Paramount's first animated Transformers project. Voice cast is crazy stacked, and it's going to be called Transformers colon one O N E. Hot take, and it's basically I'm, like a year one. Hot take. I'm way more fired up for this than I am that stupid looking Beast Wars movie. Oh, you are wrong. No, the Beast dude. Wars movie looks incredible. It looks so dumb. Casey laughed no out loud when she saw the gorilla. <laughs> oh no, I love it. I, Optimus Primal, baby, Ron they, Perlman. They never sold me on the Beast Wars stuff. Well, like, we oh, were too old. By the I time Beast it. Wars came around, we were too old. I get a robot turning into a car, but a robot turning into a gorilla. <laughs> like, I mean, why? you get a robot turning into a Tyrannosaurus. You don't got any problems with Grimlock. That's, hey, don't you start talking shit about the Dinobots. That was a different thing. Double standard, buddy. Matt, Rihanna has been cast as Smurfette in a new Smurfs movie. Last time I checked, Smurfette wasn't black. She was blue. Yes. When do we start picketing? <laughs> Yet still, <laughs> like another perfect example of the trolls on the internet getting mad about absolutely nothing. Smurfette is not white, you moron. She's blue. She's an imaginary blue character. The Little Mermaid does not exist. She's a mermaid. She can be whatever color she wants. <laughs> I hope they give Smurfette a huge black afro. <laughs> I hope they do it. Scratch that. I hope they make Smurfette as close to actual Rihanna as possible. Oh, I do too. I'm talking about the accent, yeah. the hair. Yeah, she better be just full on Riri. I, I just want, like, I want it to be a huge middle finger to all of those neck breathing idiots. Totally. Badass, dry Rihanna. <laughs> That's what yep, I want. Give it to me. Keith Giffen spoke out about why Legion relaunches keep failing on his Facebook this week, saying, All the people who have approached it since my days have gone in thinking there was something wrong with the book and tried to fix it. Joe Patrick, is it that simple? You're, you're yeah. a Legion guy. Yes. It is that simple. There's nothing there is nothing complicated about the concept of the Legion of Superheroes. There there isn't. There, other than the fact superpowered superpowered teenagers in the future that are inspired by the heroes we know today right to form a team and fight crime uh, uh, across the galaxy. That's not complicated. Other than the fact that DC took Superboy out of the equation. The Legion has the misfortune of being too closely tied to bits of DC lore that have been re revised time and time and yeah. time and time again. Yeah. And so every time they bring back the Legion, somebody feels like they have to do it from ground zero. And which sometimes it's super successful, like the Zero Hour Legion that lasted for years and years and years, and it was great. It was great. Uh, sometimes it's the Mark Wade Legion, which was great in its own right, but completely different. Okay, never mind. That's the one I thought was great. 
Yeah, it is that simple. There's nothing complicated about the Legion. Well, I'll tell you how to fix the Legion. Don't mention Super Bowl. Just don't do it. That, that's what blows my mind. Every time we reinvent Batman or reinvent Superman, nobody goes, oh, but what about all that Golden Age and Silver Age shit that we have to pay slavish attention to? Like, how come no. Batman's not punching people out of skyscraper windows? Right. How come you he's know, not like, dating Talia and Catwoman at the same time anymore? You know, like, <laughs> let, no. Let that go. Nobody let worries about it. Just do it. It was the Legion. early 80s. They were still they were still recovering from the 70s. Yeah, no, it is that simple. Keith Giffen's 100% right. And I, I also think that it, the fans are resistant to it because they have they feel like there's this baggage. Oh, for sure. For sure. And and they, there shouldn't be. The Legion is a simple, fun concept. It should be a huge success. We just have to wait for these Legion boomers to die out, and then we'll reintroduce them to a new generation of readers. <laughs> I mean, except for me, because I'm into it. Like, go for it. We got our first look at Peacock's upcoming Twisted Metal show based on the PlayStation game franchise that is basically cars, smashing cars. Oh, there's guns as well. <laughs> Matt, you saw the trailer. Does it look like NBC is paying proper respect to the deep Twisted Metal mythology? I mean, sure. <laughs> is there <laughs> Twisted Metal mythology? No, that's just it. Like, look. Super Mario Brothers made a million billion dollars at the theater, so prepare for every video game adaptation out there to be greenlit, okay? I mean, like, yeah. you, and I said it earlier this week, you may as well make a crazy taxi movie if you're making a twisted metal sure. movie. There's no story and here. The good thing is look, they can do whatever they want with it. You know, well, and just, they've got Anthony Mackie in it, right? Yeah. It's got, you know, Samoa whatever. Joe is in it. Like, awesome. <laughs> Samoa, Samoa Joe is, he is playing the body of Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth. He probably not the voice, I would assume. But I'd be fine if he did the voice. That'd be awesome. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't really know anything about Twisted Metal other than, yeah, there's a clown that drives an ice cream truck. Yeah. So, and whatever. Uh, so, like, I don't give a crap. They can do anything they want with Twisted Metal. If it's, it's fine. Yeah, if it's, it's fine, fun, and, I'll watch it. And if it's car smashing cars and it's fun and it's just like goofy, turn off your brain, enjoy it. Who cares? Whatever. Give me my Car Wars show. Car Wars, excellent mythology there. Great game. Look it up. Super fun. Speaking of Sweet Tooth, do not forget to watch Sweet Tooth Return this week on Netflix or they will cancel that shit, okay? Turn it on, yeah. walk out of the room, and just let it repeat. All right, folks? <laughs> we need some There's, a, there's probably some executive in an office somewhere just holding his finger over the big red cancel oh, button. Oh, yeah, just right waiting. now. Right now. Waiting. <laughs> that is your Nerd News recap for the week. There's always more to discuss. You can join us in our gang hang Saturdays from 11 to noon central time or post in our nerd news channel on the THN Discord. You know what else we do on our Discord? We talk about the question of the week. Joe Patrick, please reset our question and then let's give these nerds our answer. This week's question is courtesy of Brian Domingos. Who is on your personal cover artist, Mount Rushmore? We're talking about... The artists that created covers that called to you from the spinner rack. All right. My answer was easy for me because they were just like people that messed me up as a kid when I saw stuff on the stands. Frank Miller, Mike Mignola, Art Adams, and Walt Simonson. Those are my four because they have probably done my four favorite covers of all time as well. Yeah, those are good picks. And I would have to say that Mignola is probably on my list as well. Maybe yeah. even Art Adams, because there are just Art Adams. That first Hellboy cover for Seed of Destruction, 
Like I, that is tattooed on my brain. I'll never forget it. I almost had Bill Sienkiewicz in there too. I was going to, I was thinking about including Bill Sienkiewicz, but I was trying to like reach back into my brain and think of like all, and there's a few, there's a few that are great. Like those Electra covers. Oh my God. Those are outstanding. The Wolverine covers that he did are gorgeous, but as a young nerd buying comics, you know, off the spinner rack at my quick shop, that cover of Thor 337 by Walt Simonson. It's so simple, but it's so badass, And it's one of my all time favorite covers. Anytime Art Adams did a cover, I didn't even care what the comic was. I was in. Didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you're a hundred percent right. Like those, those covers really do call to you. And I think the only reason that maybe I wouldn't include Adams on the list is because um, there are just so many wonderful artists to choose from. It's hard to narrow it down to just four. Sure. Um, I am going to include Mignola on mine. I'm going to also include Alex Ross, which um, yeah. might be kind of an easy choice. And I know Alex Ross is... No, for is, reasons it should be obvious. Come on. But Alex Ross, uh, like his covers... When he came onto the scene, his covers were a revelation. Yeah. And you would think, like, at a, at a certain point, they started to get kind of stale, right? It's just like it's the same, you know, kind of friend posed as Superman kind of in a static pose, right? Um, but then he started doing crazy experimental stuff like he's doing now. When he took, when he started doing the covers for, when he did the covers for Immortal Hulk, every single cover of a mortal Hulk stunning is a, is a home run. Yeah. Stunning. And it's nothing. And it's like nothing Alex Ross has ever produced. No, he keeps reinventing himself. And that's like why and, he's so amazing. And that's why I think he's got to, he's got to go on my list for sure. Um, Mignola I've loved since I was a kid, but especially in his Hellboy, uh, you know, his kind of Hellboy era, George Perez is a, as a, personal choice for me. Oh, sure. I think so many of his covers are iconic. He unfortunately has contributed art to some bad comics, but a lot of his covers are just, they're drop dead gorgeous, you know, and, and it's, it's, they're tough to beat my fourth. This is where it's hard for me because it's like, uh, who do I pick? I'm going to give my fourth spot to Adam Hughes. That's totally fine. Absolutely. And I know, I know that he's drunk. He, I, he's known for a lot of cheesecakey stuff, but his art is, he does phenomenal work. He does phenomenal work. Yeah. And his, like, if we're talking about covers that stand out, Adam Hughes always stands out. When I see an Adam Hughes cover, I'm, I always at least look at it. 100%. I would put and so, Frank Cho right behind him too. Frank Cho. Yeah, exactly. Frank Cho. Um, it's just their their line work with Adam Hughes. It's the painting. Like yeah, I, I I've watched some process stuff about how Adam Hughes creates his covers. He's it's just insanely talented. Bill Sienkiewicz is like right there though, you know, like hovering at four point five. Right, you know, it, he's fighting to Man. get on the on the on the list. But um, Bill Sienkiewicz's covers are beyond striking. Yeah. But yeah, I I think I, so. I'm giving it to. Alex Ross, Adam Hughes, Mike Mignola, and George Perez. Yes, thank you. A Titanic team-up between two on my list. Perez and Alex Ross teamed up to do the painted cover, like fold-out dust jacket cover for the Crisis on Infinite Earths hardcover. 
And it is one of the most beautiful pieces of artwork. Yeah, I've ever it's seen. amazing. It's it's stunning. Absolutely. The, re, the like the real thing. The yeah. real thing is several feet long in 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 it's length. Ri- it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's an insane piece of work. That's almost an, but, that's almost another cover question. Who does your favorite group covers? You know, like or most oh. insane group covers. That's a good one. We'll say well, that for one. me. That's George Perez, one hundred percent. If you I, do a hard, team cover, you get George Perez. Yeah, it's hard not to say George Perez. Definitely doesn't hold the record though. Jamie Sullivan is your guy, and it is bonkers. <laughs> it's GI Joe three hundred. It was the like the farewell at it's IDW. The, the finale of Larry Hama. Yeah. It's the yeah the goodbye to Larry Hama. But like IDW. right up in the front, the best part of it, it's like everybody's standing there. Cobra's on one side, J. Joe's on the other side, and in the forefront is Duke just laying out Cobra Commander. <laughs> I know, I love it. <laughs> it's, it's so, so great. Good. God, it's cool. All right, we got a new question of the week. We got to set up here, and then we're getting out of here. All right, now this one, this one's just kind of for fun, and it's gonna take some imagination. So. This week's question is courtesy of the diseased mind of our friend John Littrell. Call your shot. What do you think will or should be the last MCU movie? (laughs) Maybe the genre dies. Maybe movies are replaced by hollow entertainment. Maybe the Marvel name fades into obscurity. Maybe they've rebooted for the fourth or fifth time and it just doesn't take. Maybe the trademarks finally expire. Whatever. The MCU is ending. Give us your best pitch for what is the final movie. All right. I love it. We'll do it next week. Maybe we'll actually talk about it in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Next Thursday, new comic book reviews return to the Ziggurat, and we'll give you a sneak peek of our Patreon extra just in time. Regarding the Galaxy 3, the official THN comic historian Jason Sachs is back with another installment of Who the Hell is This Guy? The Adam Warlock Edition. So... Brush up on your it. gold skin. Oh, what is Adam? Is a magic creature? Is he an android? What is he? He's a genetically engineered being. So he was created in a lab by science, but not so it's not magic. Yeah, not a robot. Okay, there we go. We'll talk about. It. We'll, we'll let Jason handle this. This is what. Yeah, we, no, I don't want to even get. I don't even want to try to get into. This it. is what we pay him for. Until next time, true believers. My name is Matt Bob, <laughs> and I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick, and this is the Two Headed Nerd signing off.